This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of August the 8th, 2022, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Folks in central Indiana have been waking up to Chuck Lofton for 37 years. He was hired as a weather forecaster and anchor for WTHR Channel 13's Sunrise Morning Show when it debuted in 1985. He since has survived any number of severe weather events, including tracking tornadoes, as well as the notoriously fickle TV news business. But in March of this year, he had a big scare. After feeling lousy for about a month, he set up an appointment with his doctor, only to have a heart event during the stress test. That led to triple bypass surgery and a two-month recovery off the air. Now, Chuck is 65 years old, and at least one of his doctors and one of his three sons advised him it was time to retire. But in some ways, he is healthier now than he was five years ago, and he is enjoying the work more as well. At one point, he assumed 65 would be about the end of his career, but now his attitude is much more open-ended. Last month, he was inducted into the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences Silver Circle, which I think you can interpret as a kind of a lifetime achievement award. So we've invited him on the podcast to talk about his longevity in the TV news business, the offers he's had but not taken to move up from the Indianapolis market, the close shaves he's experienced in the field, and whether there's room on local TV news to talk about the politically charged topic of climate change. Here's our discussion. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Chuck Lofton, WTHR Channel 13 meteorologist and an Indianapolis TV news fixture. Oh, thank you, mate. As a regular listener to this podcast, thank you for having me. I'm concerned that you did bring me on because I don't own a business. And as far as I know, I'm not you know, being looked after by state and federal authorities on some charge. So it's it's great to change the mode here. You're employed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that 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 alone <laughs> qualifies you for a business podcast. <laughs> well, it's great to be here. Yeah, great. Um, I'm going to warn you now. My questions are going to be like all over the place. Sure. Because uh, that typically happens when I'm interviewing somebody who's had a long career mm-hmm. and who literally has been all over the place. Well, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to answer questions all over the place. That's usually where I am, although the medication is working today. <laughs> well, there you go. You, you get It's too good to pass up. Um, do you mind if we start uh, sure. talking about uh, what happened in March? Mm. Yeah, to make a very long story very short, uh, for brevity's sake, I'd been feeling pretty rotten for a month. So rotten that I called my financial advisor and I called my life insurance guy to make sure I was doing okay. My mother passed away at 69. My brother passed away at 60 uh, with the same kind of thing that I have, heart disease and diabetes. And I was feeling just really bad. And no matter how much I jogged or walked or I I couldn't feel better, my wife said, we've got to call the cardiologist. One Zoom call immediately led to me coming in to uh, an Ascension St. Vincent office, and uh, that led to ventricular tachycardia inside the office, uh, which was very dangerous. In fact, I, I 
remember saying, Lord, is this what it's like to die? I was really not doing well, had a 100 milligram injection of lidocaine to try and get me back. Ambulance took so me you to were, wait, in the doctor's office and you had an episode right there. Yes, I was doing a stress test. Okay. And during the stress test, I thought I was knocking it out of the park, even though I felt rotten. And it, no, I was being knocked out of the park. Ambulance took me to heart hospital, uh, emergency heart cath, which led to a triple bypass. And uh, they did a couple of other things while they were inside. <laughs> but yeah, that was my March episode. And I was out of work for almost three months. You, you said that you were diabetic? Yes. How long have you been diabetic? Type 2 diabetes, which I've had very diff difficult time controlling for. I was diagnosed about five years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's been a, a little while, but it's not been all my... I probably had it much longer than that, but had not been diagnosed. And, and that was something common in your family? Type 1 is more was more common in my family. Um, although while I was in the hospital, uh, you know, I did the insulin thing. And I do have... Uh, just about everything under control now. I'm feeling so much better, Mason. It took a long time. I wondered, you know, A, am I going to make it? And then B, am I going to ever get to go back to Channel 13? Uh, but I, I had goals. I worked on those goals every day from a physical therapy standpoint and made it back by the race, which was my goal to, for the Indy 500. And, and prior to the episode, did you know that you had heart disease as yes, well? Yes, I had stents and had had issues really since 2002 so it's been 20 years of this stuff though nothing as severe as you know what i encountered here a few months back you're such a high energy guy it's sort of hard to believe that you have been having heart problems for 20 years and that's the wonder of living in indianapolis we've got great cardiologists in this town who can you know get you juiced up for the next day i guess but i've always tried to be the past 20 years be especially healthy. If you go back to 20, since the beginning of 2019, I've lost 30 pounds. And that was premeditated. And really, it's a good thing I did because I think that helped me when it came to this whole bypass thing. I'm sorry, let me go back for a second. Mm -hmm. Since when did you lose 30 pounds? Uh, since beginning of 2019. Okay, great. I was, <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to bring it up. It's like, you look, you look pretty svelte. Oh, thank you. I have to say, you look good. I mean, well, you're, for, you. I for, we, we haven't established this yet, but you are 65 years old. <laughs> I'm 65, yeah. And most yeah. days I don't feel it. Uh, some days I, I feel every bit of it and then some. But uh, yeah, I'm 65 and I, I really, I have a granddaughter now. She's nine months old and I really want to be around for her. So that was a big inspiration to try and get better so I could be a part of her life. So you were out uh, in recovery, for, you said for about two months? A little over two months, almost three. I was back part-time kind of. Uh, so yeah, it was a phased in between two and three months. Three months, I came back to where I'm at now. So after this after this episode and, and the recovery, I am sure that uh, your family could have made an excellent argument for just retiring. Well, and one of the cardiologists did. He made a real good. Fortunately, um, I have this counsel. <laughs> of advice. And two of them said, no, you know, just give it a shot and see how you feel. And, you know, just be careful. Don't be stupid, which is hard to do when you get up as early as I do. It That's pretty stupid. But <laughs> but don't be stupid. You know, drink a lot of water, get rest. And, and so, so far, you know, fingers crossed, this process has been great. And I feel really good. 
How did your family think about it, though? Did they give you any pressure to, to hang it up? One of my sons really wanted me to hang it up. The other two said, what would you do? <laughs> Which is a very good question. What would I do? And I'd rather be sick at work than sick at home, I guess. <laughs> but, I, I, but again, I'm not sick. I'm feeling really well. And your wife was on board as well? She is. She's been wonderful. We've been married for 43 years. We started in the business together when we were both teenagers. And that's how we really met and fell in love. And so she's been along this ride for a long time. And she knows that it's part of me uh, and that I do well in life generally when I'm working and, and uh, doing what, and, and I feel really it's, it's more than just a job, Mason. I think working at WTHR doing what I do is calling from the Lord as well as a passion that I have. So Yeah. When you say you met as teenagers, was that in college or in high school? Uh, truth be told, Mason, she was in high school and I was in college. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Actually, I knew her sisters. And then when she came to college at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, we immediately clicked. We both worked, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, at a 50,000-watt radio station together that was owned by the university. It was a great radio TV program. Oh, it was at WSIU. There. You bet. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then WSIU-TV, we both worked there too. So she, from her youngest age, and she started working in radio when she was 15. So from our youngest uh, experiences and work, it's all been in broadcasting. So she totally gets it. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and she's been very supportive. Mason, not one time has this woman complained about my schedule. You are joking. In 43 years, not one time. Wow. Now, she may have to her friends, but she never has to be. Uh, you mentioned when you wake up for work. When do you wake up? It depends on the day. Like, tomorrow, I will wake up at one fourteen, not one fifteen. Because one fourteen, because I have to be able to walk to the alarm that's in our master bathroom. <laughs> I, I, I've never, I've never pressed a snooze in thirty-seven years at WTHR. So I will take that one minute to stagger into the bathroom, turn the alarm off, and then boom, my day. But why uh, is your wait? Why is your alarm in the bathroom? So that I won't be tempted to hit a snooze. I have to get up to walk to it, and I advise that to anybody who has that kind of issue. I'm already learning things that I need to apply in my home. <laughs> I'm not I, I up early. I suggest not that early, and, and most of the time now because we have uh, Lindsay Monroe and Kelly Green that do the 4 a.m., a lot of times I get up at 2.14, and I do a Zoom call meeting at 2.30, uh, and then boom, I'm, I'm on my way into the station. When do you go to sleep? I try to be in bed between 7.30 and 8, and I may take a short power nap during the day, but I can pretty well exist on that. You have that. blackout curtains in your bedroom? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Those are, are very essential, especially here in this bizarre time that I wish Governor Holcomb would do something about when it's dark <laughs> at 9.35 in the evening. So my, or it's bright, I should say. My six-year-old goes to bed two hours after uh, you do. It's a, it's a sad, <laughs> pathetic life I lead, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think so. I think, I, I think you're living the dream, to be honest with well, you. I, I do, too. Um, so after you graduated uh, from WSIU, yep. help me out here, 79. Mm -hmm. Yes. You went right to Evansville. Is that right? Literally. Yeah. I uh, graduated on a Saturday, started work at WFIE-TV on Monday. Um, and I was, at that time, 21, turned 22 a little later, but... 
What an experience. First of all, Evansville, my wife and I still call it Heavensville. It is a wonderful, wonderful place. And you started as a reporter? Reporter, kind of, sort of. Uh, I did mm. everything. I anchored, did sports and weather. And then in 1982, one of our uh, meteorologists left, and I had been doing a lot of weather. Uh, so they said, we would like you to do this. We, we, we would like you to be uh, our noon and six weathercaster. And I thought, well, I did have an earth science background, and I did know a lot about meteorology, but I, I told them, I, I think I would like to, but I'm not sure. They said, well, double your pay. I said, you got it. Ha! I'm putting that hat on, baby. <laughs> and uh, what I, do, I, did I would do that too. I, I wish. I wish that we had a weather department. Well, believe me, when you're making nothing, twice of nothing is you know it's it's a little bit. It it's, like, it's a livable wage. But uh, back then, the National Weather Service had an office in Evansville. Uh, that was decommissioned back in the mid '90s, but they had it then. So every single day before I came into work, I went to the National Weather Service and talked with those guys, went over forecast discussions, really learned how they forecasted mm -hmm. the weather there. And it was it was the education of a lifetime because that really set me up to know what the heck I was talking about, to get my seal uh, from the National Weather Association. And so, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And then 85, yeah. uh, you get a call. Right. Who called you? A man named Mike Corkin who at the time was the president and general manager of WTHR-TV. He was familiar with my work uh, because he had been the station manager in New Orleans at WDSU-TV, uh, and we were part of that small chain. So he knew about my work. Uh, Bob Campbell, the news director, he kind of referred me to Bob, and then Bob flew me up on Brit Airways, if you remember Brit, which was the Indiana-based airline. So I flew up here and basically got the job that day, and have never looked back since then. And then that was for the new Sunrise. morning show. It was for, yes. Yeah. There were very few morning shows, local morning shows that weren't either farm-oriented or, you know, kids' cartoons. There were very few of those in the country. Channel 8 had just started theirs, and 13 wanted to start theirs. So I was hired basically for that show as a meteorologist slash anchor, uh, and then I also did the noon show. Um, so that's how I came in here, and I just thoroughly, thoroughly fell in love with the place and the city when I got here. Now, this is where we, we begin to be into my sphere of reference. Right. Because, uh, you know, at this time, I'm in high school, mm -hmm. and you know, and we wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and, and usually we're watching NBC because we watch mm -hmm. the Today Show. Is it my imagination, or was your lead in Richard Simmons? Um, it was an exercise show. Yes, actually, Mason, you are right. <laughs> for for. <laughs> A very brief, uh, apparently brilliant programming move. Richard Simmons was our lead-in. There was also a woman named Joni Greggins who did an exercise show that was our lead-in. And it was Sandy Patty singing the national anthem when we first started. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we did have some odd lead-ins uh, in those early days. But That's yes, funny. you are absolutely right. So I think, I think that I remember when you were, around the time that you were introduced, mm -hmm. Because I remember thinking, and I don't mean any disrespect at all, I remember thinking, this guy has got a Jimmy Olsen vibe that will not quit. <laughs> I mean, you just, you know, you 
did not look like a TV news personality. You no. you just, you look like a character. Um, <laughs> and I and I know it's hard to believe. I'm not trying to make fun of you, but it's very distinctive. Okay, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm. With more than 625 attorneys across 11 offices, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ Podcast. Our guest is Chuck Lofton, a fixture on local TV news for the last 37 years. So your, your boss on, on the weather side, I'm guessing, with Bob, Bob Gregory. Gregory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, folks who grew up in Indianapolis know who Bob Gregory is, a uh, longtime uh, weather guru. Uh, what did you learn? Mm. When, you, when you look back... At those early years, what did you learn from working with Bob Gregory? Well, Bob and I just spoke the other day. Bob is 85 years old now and still going strong. He's on his way to uh, Austria on a trip, which I want to be able to do that. I think I learned from Bob that being involved in the community is so important. It is an extension of what you do on TV. And without it, you don't really have the credibility that you need to have to be believable, to be relevant. Uh, Bob knew what he was doing in regards to forecasting and all of that. And that's very important. I mean, that's the foundation of what you do. How do you do a forecast and make it accurate and so forth? But the other stuff, the what some people would count as peripheral, is just as important. And that is being involved in the community, um, being relatable to people. Bob was involved in his kids' lives. So he was at in Wayne Township for the games and the matches, the tennis matches and so forth. Everybody knew him. And uh, for instance, he was involved in a, in a number of organizations that American Heart Association, Kidney, and so forth. And, and that networked him enough so that people knew he was the real deal. And I think that's what I learned the most from Bob, that you must if you really want to be relevant and relatable, you must be involved in the community. Now, you have a reputation, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, of, of getting out of yes. the studio mm-hmm. uh, and reporting on the scene of extreme weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, what one or two incidences would you describe as your closest calls? I would say by far 2016. It was a, uh, tor- there was a tornado, and it was on the ground a long way from basically Brownsburg, Anderson, then into Grant County, which is Marion Gas City, that area. We were live on the air following that thing in our um, mobile storm tracker. Uh, and it, we got close. Now, the photographer who was with me, I, I told him we need to you know, keep a couple miles in back of this thing. But we followed this thing the whole time and were able to really get people uh, into a safe mode. And I'll tell you, I think we served a real great public service that day because if you're familiar with the state, and I know most of you know where Marion is, that's Indiana Wesleyan, Upland, that's Taylor University. So that neck of the woods, that's really no man's land because you have Fort Wayne to the north and you have Indianapolis to the south. And tornado warnings had been 
allowed to expire for that area and we're watching it and so we were on the air saying hey you know i know this tornado warning has expired but please it's this is it we're showing it to you right now so find cover that was probably the most memorable one and uh, we lost it at one point. We, as we were tracking it, you know, we had radar and and so forth. We we're trying to track it, but then visually, we lost it. We we're in the middle of this cornfield, Mason, this road uh, in rural Grant County. We came out of the cornfield, and there it was, about a half mile uh, north of us. And and let's back up just a bit. Yeah, you know, it just occurred to me. One of the the my favorite apps on my phone is is my weather channel app mm -hmm. um and i'm everybody i know has a weather channel app does that put any pressure on you guys to be even more up to date even more specific does that make tv weather less relevant i love the weather channel i think they do a great job but i wouldn't want that app what i would do mason and of course i expect you to do this immediately after our podcast is over is delete that and put in the live doppler 13 weather app where you have interactive radar and you have us finessing the numbers this isn't just pure raw data that you get you know uh, that you would get from another app it, this is us massaging the forecast and looking at the numbers and changing things if we need to change them um is, so is, wait, this is an app from from the channel, WT, from yes, WTHR. You guys are producing your own stream and, and have of information. For a long time, yeah. Into that app. So we need to do a better job of letting people know because you didn't know that. I did not. So now you do, and everybody listening to this podcast, the Live mm -hmm. Doppler thirteen weather app, it's really good, and we're really advancing into that digital world more. But you can download what's called WTHR Plus to your Roku TV. Not only will you see our newscast live. You want to see a Chuck's Big Adventure from three years ago? Boom, there it is. You can see it. And this is a, a new product that we put on. It's free, but that's you have to do that in this day and age. You have to enter that digital world, I think, strongly. And we're doing that. Have you received offers over the years to, to move up to another market? Yes. And um, yes. Uh, but... I always, when the boys were at home, I have three boys, I really felt it was necessary just because of the way they were to, if we could at all do it, have them live in the same town uh, through their childhood. And so that was a big, a big draw to me to stay in Indy. Plus 13 is one of the better television stations in America. And so to answer your question, yes, did I seriously consider moving yes uh but i'm so glad that we didn't i'm glad we stayed here what was the best offer chicago which is my home area uh, and so i think everybody would in our business dreams of going back home we have a lot of these younger folks on our air right now who are from indianapolis or mm. from central indiana and so that's the draw but you know nothing really any potential opportunity um, just didn't beat what I had here. I thought. So, how do you think the the TV news business has changed over the last oh my gosh. thirty years? Well, you have to understand, Mason, that change when you do what I do for a living is inevitable. I mean, yeah. when I started doing the weather, it was with magnetic symbols on a big map, right? So, I think the TV business change uh, in Indianapolis, in particular, is this. 
there are so many opportunities for people to watch something else. Now, we're fortunate in that India is one of those places where people still get the majority of their local news from local TV, which is great for us. And I don't think that's going to change real rapidly, but it is changing. And I think that the competition that we have, uh, both on a cell phone or on an iPad or simply if you are still one of the people that have cable TV, I mean, you've got a thousand channels there. So we have to do things that make people want to stay and watch us, for instance, in the mornings. Mm. And that's a challenge. That is a huge challenge. And it's working so far. But remember, we have Channel 13 doing news, 8, 6, 59, 4. We have five stations doing local news. Very few cities have that many. Mm. So there is still a thirst for local news there. But as part of the change that you talked about, how long can that last? One of the things that I notice from my perspective, uh, and usually it's when I'm writing about uh, people leaving or yes. coming on the stations, is that there's so much transience mm -hmm. in, in TV news. People are constantly coming and going and coming and going. Mm -hmm. uh, you have had two jobs. <laughs> two jobs <laughs> in your entire career. Right. Uh, two TV jobs. Two because TV because jobs, you've done yeah. some radio, radio. stuff too. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you explain that longevity? At Channel 13, WTHR, it's not as unusual as you may think. Just think about it. We lost at the same time. Kevin Rader, David McNally, Mary Mills, Rich Van Wyk. They all retired at the same time. Some of those guys had 30, 32, 33 years of service. And, the, and all of that service was at WTHR. What that does for the depth of reporting, for the... Um, intellectual and institutional gravitas that you have in the community, um, that's pretty good. Now, for me, it's very unusual that I, that somebody in weather would stay at one place for, for 37 years. And the only way I have to explain it is I really like it here. And my wife likes it. We love Indianapolis. We decided when we first moved here that if we moved to Indianapolis, we were going to be part of it. We weren't just going to go to work and then maybe go shopping and that's it. We were going to be a part of things. And my wife really has, and I've tried to mm -hmm. be as well. So you mentioned uh, these long-timers who've left. I right. think Scoop Jefferson, I think. That's also. right. Steve Jefferson yes. left to go to, to Dallas. To Dallas. 20 years with us. Um, I mean, does that take a toll on you, losing so many people? I think it does, especially personally, because you love all these people. I mean, they're all fine, wonderful people. And so it does take a toll from a personal standpoint and from a professional standpoint because you have to replace that institutional knowledge and that ain't easy right and we're trying our management is is trying to do that and i think you know we're getting there uh but when you have that huge shift it's going to take you a little while to get back and i think that ship is certainly turning certainly mm. turning and it, there's massive effort uh to do that so weather has always been a primary focus yes. of, of TV news. It's, you know, it still right. is the crime main, sports weather. Right. right. Weather's right. still the number one reason people watch TV news. Okay. Still is after all these years. Certainly in the last five to 10 years, at least extreme weather mm -hmm. has become really kind of an existential threat. Uh, in mainstream print journalism, when they talk about extreme weather now, they usually also talk about climate change. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, I, th I think for mainstream journalism, 
I mean, that's settled science for sure. I would, say, I would assume also the scientists also would say settled science. Most. Is, is, is there room for talking about climate change on the TV news? Yes, and I think we do. I think what, in, in fact, we, we're doing that at WTHR because people love to hear what's going on as far as extremes are concerned. What I think has mucked up this is politics. And as you know, a person who's been doing weather now for 40 years, uh, there's a difference between weather and climate, huge difference between weather and climate, and people sometimes get that confused. But I, I think that what people want to know is just the facts I, without the political spin. And where I come from, Mason, in this is, as a Christian, I, I love God's creation, and I want to do everything I can to take care of it, to be a good steward of it. And I think whether you've got a D at the end of your name or an R at the end of your name, I think that we all need to realize that it's our responsibility just to take care of it, not to fight about it or scream and yell about it. Just take care of our, our, uh, of our property and our, our, pardon me, our environment. Have the best interests for your neighbors, your friends, and your family when it comes to the environment. So how do you do that, right? Uh, I would say, as far as politics is concerned, you know, have policies that allow people to segue into cleaner types of uh, transportation and so forth, realizing that that's going to take a long time. And don't don't be so uh, uh, dramatic and so emphatic that it changed now. It's not going to change now. It, it's going to take time. And I think mm. we need to be patient with those types of things. But just to love the gift that you've been given by God and take care of it. I think if you just approach it from that standpoint, without getting into the scientific, and I believe me, I've been to every single stinking conference on climate change that there is the past 25 years. Yeah. I can I can quote these guys wrote, um, but take care of what you have, love what mm -hmm. you have, and make sure that it's there for your friends, family, and yeah. neighbors. To the extent that, I mean, your job is to educate right. the viewers. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, how do you, how do you tread that line, but getting, staying away from the, the right, political side of it? Mad, right? Well, that's right. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, obviously people are divided, uh, along the typical political lines on this mm -hmm. issue it tend to be, how, yeah, how do you, well, one how do you thread that needle? Yeah, I think one of the things is to show people in their, in this state, for instance, what's being done to keep your river clean that you fish in or the air clean in Gary or Munster or Whiting. How do you keep the air clean? Just to report on what people are doing. Uh, for instance, in Indianapolis, pardon me, in Indiana, especially in Northwestern Indiana, we have this huge initiative for these wind turbines, right? Yeah. That, are, that are up. Now those are controversial in some cases, but it is something that's being done in Indiana that is a change from fossil fuels, for instance. And so just to show what, you don't have to give an opinion, just show what people are doing to try and make your life better and my life better as far as clean air. I wanted to get back to something you mentioned before, the Chuck's Big Adventure. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I haven't seen it. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh no! Well, you know what? You can because you uh, go to our website wthr.com or that app I told you about, uh, thirteen plus WTHR, and just 
put it in your Roku your smart TV and you can see all of them. We've so, been so, doing them for a few years. So what is it? Okay. Started out, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version, because that's how I got through college. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> or doesn't read, read anything. <laughs> We've got two geniuses here on the IBJ <laughs> Aren't you glad you're today? listening to these guys? <laughs> uh, started out when we covered the royal wedding of mm. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Uh, we did our whole show live there for a week. It was one of the great things in Indianapolis television history to be able to to do Sunrise from Windsor Castle and Buckingham Palace for a week. Prior to that, Steve Rhodes, who's one of the great photojournalists in America who works at our place, he and I were gone for, it was either nine or 11 days, shooting stories in London, in the Cotswolds, in Windsor. We went to Downton Abbey, Highclere Castle, and, and talked with Countess Fiona there, who owns the place. And uh, we put together this series of stories. Our news director at the time, Kathy Hossetter, said, this really works. It, I like you doing this. And so the next, oh, about nine months after that, we went to Florida and we called it Chuck's Big Adventure Destination Florida. And it was to air before spring break. Mm. So we went from Key West to Destin and everywhere in between Mason shooting these stories. And then we were live in Florida as well, introducing the pieces. And it really went over. And since then, uh, this is a franchise that has grown and has really rejuvenated my career, to be honest. We've been in the state of Wisconsin in the, in the dead of winter. We've been in the UP of Michigan. We've been in Missouri, oddly enough, which provided us with some great stories uh, that I didn't expect. Anywhere from the music of the Ozarks to St. Louis to Branson to the Churchill Museum uh, there to Hannibal and Mark Twain. We've also been to North Carolina and Asheville region, which was a wealth of great stories. So we're going to continue to do this as long as I'm able and as long as the station funds it. <laughs> so, yeah, so the utility for the for the viewer is here are places you can get to. Right. And this is, this is what I was like. And we, our owners, Tegna, uh, to give them major props during the heart of COVID, we were allowed to do these pieces. So we were traveling. And I mean, we had a lot of restrictions on how we could do it and what we could do, but we did it during the heart of COVID. And so people were at home, nothing to do, couldn't go anywhere. So we went for them. And uh, I remember one piece we did on the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island, which is probably one of America's greatest hotels. And uh, the, the response from people like, thank you. You know, we can't go anywhere. And, and so mm -hmm. now we've, we've heard from these places that after we did these pieces and people uh, have seen them on TV, but also online, people have actually been going to these places and, and crediting us for the idea. So it's, it's been a wonderful opportunity. Okay, so that really incentivizes you to keep working. Mm -hmm. uh, so the inevitable question is, do you have a timeline? I think uh, I'll answer that by what Jimmy Panko of the band Chicago said. You know, he's 76 years old. And I interviewed him last year as part of our Chuck's Big Adventure to Chicago. We were with the band Chicago. And Jimmy said, I will keep doing this as long as I'm relevant and believable. And I think for me, the day that I'm just a doddering old coot and, and not believable anymore, I think, well, hopefully I've got people who will tell me that if I don't acknowledge it myself, but that's when I'll hang it up. So that sounds pretty open-ended. 
That that doesn't sound like a, I'll do yeah. it until I'm 68 or I'll do it until I'm 70. No, I don't have a hard out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I had initially thought that this year would be a hard out. 65. If you would have asked me when I was 61 or 62, it said 65, I'm, I'm done. But uh, I think having the, the near-death experience and then uh, seeing that my wife does enjoy uh, when I'm doing what I like, um, that's been the, and, and the, the two people I work with, with Chuck's Big Adventure, Megan Simpson, our producer, Steve Rhodes, the station's been supportive. We've got a check with Chuck promotion uh, running on our air so that people are, are drawn to watch us for weather. I mean, why would I want to quit that if I'm physically able to do it? Uh, it's, it's fun. It's an enjoyable thing. Like I said, you're living the dream. I mean, if you can work and travel at the same time, I think that's well, I'm that's very thankful. You know, I, I totally get that a lot of people don't get those opportunities. So throughout my career, Mason, I've tried to take advantage of any opportunity given to me. All right. Because it's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised, right? No. Well, carry on. That, that is my advice to you. Uh, thank you so much for making time. This has been a fantastic uh, conversation. Well, Mason, I'll tell you, I can't believe, A, you invited me to come, but B, that it worked out because it, it did. I, I just enjoyed being with you so much, and I love the IBJ podcast. My thanks again to Chuck Lofton. And folks, before you get on with the rest of your week, I want to draw your attention to a few stories in the latest issue of IBJ. First up, Indiana economic development officials have been working overtime to help the state become a player in the burgeoning microelectronics industry. Last month, they announced that Skywater Technology plans to build a $1.8 billion semiconductor production facility at Purdue University, which is impressive, but nowhere near the scale of microchip manufacturing projects planned for Ohio and Texas. IBJ's Mickey Shuey explains this week why Skywater is a key player in reviving Indiana's once booming electronics industry. Also this week, Dave Lindquist takes stock of the sudden surge of chicken restaurants in the Indy area, including Dave's Hot Chicken, Flaming Chicken and Shakes, World Famous Hot Boys, Naptown Hot Chicken, and Slim Chickens. And we're excited to introduce you to our second annual class of 20 in their 20s, a group of up-and-coming leaders in central Indiana who we believe will help shape our economy and communities for decades to come. And again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. I will say it's easier to access all of the latest local news about business and politics and all of IBJ's data on Central Indiana's business community and economy if you're a subscriber. And here's a new development. We have wrapped all of IBJ's content together with all of the stories, columns, and podcasts from our sister publication, Inside Indiana Business. And now it works out to just about $3 per week for actionable information about every notable business development across the state. You're not going to find Indiana's story told with this kind of breadth and depth anywhere else. Just go to ibj.com and click on the subscribe button. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week.